Welcome to another episode of From the Depths with Dr. Shimon Blau, based on Rabbi Ephraim Ushri's Shilas Echuvus Mimamakim, Questions and Responses from the Holocaust. This series contains graphic descriptions of atrocities committed by the Nazis and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The mitzvah, the commandment of Pidyon Haben, redemption of the first son, can be found in the Torah in Exodus chapter 13 verses 12 through 15, as well as Numbers chapter 18 verses 15 through 16. This is a commandment to redeem the firstborn son of any woman whose first child is a baby boy. There are certain exemptions, such as if the woman had any miscarriages prior to this birth, or if the baby was born via cesarean section, there is no obligation to perform Pidyon Haben. The mitzvah also does not apply to Jews stemming from the tribe of Levi, for example, Levim or Kohanim. Hanum refers to the descendants of Aaron who were chosen by God to be the priests in the tabernacle and holy temple. The obligation of Pidyon falls on the father of the child and is performed by giving five shekels to the Kohen. This is done in a ceremony which is usually accompanied by a festive meal celebrating the mitzvah and the ceremony is performed by the Kohen asking the father which do you prefer to give away your firstborn son who is the first issue of his mother's womb or do you prefer to redeem him for five shekels as you are required to do by the Torah. The father then responds I wish to redeem my son. I present you with the the cost of his redemption as I am required to do by the Torah, the father then makes two blessings. The first blessing is on the commandment of Pidyon Haben, where he says, Blessed are you, Hashem our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us regarding the redemption of a son. The second bracha, the second blessing, is known as the Shechayanu bracha, which is a bracha which is said on special occasions or before doing certain commandments. The text of the Shechayanu bracha reads as follows, Blessed are you, Hashem our God, King of the universe, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and brought us to this season. The reason that is given for the commandment is this. The last of the ten plagues that God brought upon the Egyptians when they enslaved the Jews was Makas Becharos, the plague of the death of the firstborn. When God skipped over the houses of the Israelites, all of the firstborn males became consecrated to God on account of that and were destined to be the priests in the tabernacle and the holy temple. However, when they later sinned with the golden calf, this privilege was taken away from them and was instead given to the Kohanim. This was because the tribe of Levi was the only tribe that was not involved in the sin of the golden calf. However, given that the firstborn males were consecrated to God and were now no longer able to act as priests, they require this redemption, the redemption of Pidin Haben. With this in mind, Rabbi Yashri states that on January 14, 1942, the 25th day of Teves, 5702, one of the respected members of the community came to him with the following question. His only daughter had given birth to a baby boy out of wedlock, and the father of the child had disappeared. It was unknown whether he had been captured by the Nazis or whether he was just too embarrassed to come forward and admit to being the child's father. The father of the woman asked Rabbi Yashri what the law would be regarding Pidin Haben, redeeming his daughter's firstborn son. Given that the whereabouts of the father of the baby were unknown, would anybody be able to perform the Pidyon Haben on behalf of the absent father? Likewise, must one consider that if the father had been present, he probably would have been too embarrassed to come forward and redeem the child himself by admitting to being the father. The woman's father also wondered whether or not the bracha, the blessing of Shachayano could be made, as that is a bracha which was traditionally made by the father of the child. Rabbi Yashri begins his response by quoting from the Shulchan Arach. In previous episodes, I've explained that the Shulchan Shulchan Aruch was written by Rabbi Yosef Karo in Safat in 1563 and was published two years later. This is the most widely consulted source of codified Jewish law that is still currently in use today. Rabbi Yosef Karo's opinions generally represent the Sephardic halacha. Rabbi Moshe Iserlis, known as the Ramah, wrote a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch which reflected the halacha and customs according to the Ashkenazi tradition. Rabbi Yosef Karo in Yoradea, Simon Shun Hei, Sifkan Tezvav, wrote that if a father transgressed and did not redeem his son, the son is obligated to redeem himself when he gets older, meaning once he's reached bar mitzvah 
age. The Ramah, Ramosha Isserles, wrote that there are those who had the opinion that they would write on a silver tablet, a silver plate, Eino Nifta, that this child is not redeemed, and they would hang it on his neck, kind of like a medical alert bracelet, so that he would know when he gets older that he still needs to redeem himself. The Shach, Reb Shasai ben Meir Akain, a 17th century Talmudist, wrote that the best thing to do would actually be to have Beisden, the Jewish court, redeem the child, especially because there are many times that the metal plate hung around the child's neck will get lost. Rabbi Yashri then quotes further from the Ramah, who said in the name of the Rivash, the Rivash was a rabbi who lived in the 14th to early 15th century. He was originally from Spain and left on account of religious persecution and then settled in Algiers. So the Rivash wrote that the father was not allowed to hire an agent, a shliach, to perform the Pidyan Haben for him. However, the Shach disagreed and ruled in the name of many great poskim, many great religious decisors, that a father is able to hire an agent, a shliach, to do it for him. Says the Shach further, if the father did not redeem his son, or if he died before he was able to perform the Pidyan Haben, Beisdin, the religious courts, would be allowed to do the Pidyan Haben in his place. The Taz, Rabbi David Halevi Siegel, who lived in the 1500s to 1600s and also wrote a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch, wrote that as long as the father is still alive, the father is allowed to appoint a shliach to do the pidyon for him. And for the same reason, the grandfather of a child can do the pidyon haben, as well as anyone else. Because anyone else who performs the pidyon haben in place of the father acts kishlucho, like his messenger, like his agent. However, if the father were to die before performing the pidyon haben, he can no longer appoint a shliach, and the child would have to wait until he grows older in order to do the pidyon himself. Based on all of this, there seems to be three different opinions with regards to pidyon haben. According to the Rivash, a father cannot appoint a shliach to do it for him, even while he's alive. According to the Shach, the Jewish Beisden can redeem the child, even if not officially appointed by the father. And according to the Taz, anyone can redeem the child, and not just Beisden, as long as the father is alive. He quotes one more opinion from Machna Ephraim, that somebody can perform Pidin Ben for his friend's son, and that this works not through agency, through shlichus, but rather, it's just like somebody is paying back his friend's loan. And from a halachic standpoint, this can be done without having to rely on the halachic rules of shlichus, of agency. Rabbi Yashri then asks a very fundamental question. According to those that say that either the Beisdin can redeem the child, like the Shach, or anybody can redeem the child, like the Taz, as long as the father is alive, how does this work? If the father doesn't actually appoint somebody to be his shliach, to be his agent, how can the person or the Beisdin act in the father's place? Answers Rabbi Yashri, this works through the halachic concept, which is known as Zachano Adam Shalob Bafanov. This is a concept which is seen throughout the Talmud, and basically states as follows. If something is overwhelmingly beneficial for someone, then somebody can act as an agent for them, even without being explicitly appointed. The words Zachanlo, La'adam Shalobafanov, mean as follows. Zachanlo, somebody can do something which is beneficial for someone, La'adam, for a person, Shalobafanov, not in front of him, meaning without being officially appointed by him. The classic example of this is if somebody sees $100 lying on the street and wants to pick it up, not for himself, but for his friend, he's allowed to do so, and as soon as he picks it up, having his friend in mind, the $100 is owned by his friend immediately, once he picks it up. Similarly, says Rabbi Yashri, in the case of Pidyan Haben, the chances are that the father does not want to redeem the child either because he can't afford to do so, or if the child was born out of wedlock, he might be too embarrassed to come forward and admit that he's the father. However, he would definitely want his child to be redeemed, and therefore, either Beisdin, or according to the Taz, anyone else, can perform this for the father without even being explicitly appointed to do so. Rabbi Yashri then quotes from Chuvas Yad who asked on the ruling of the Shach that Beisdin is allowed to redeem 
the child, why is it that only Beisden would be allowed to redeem the child? If this is working through Shlichus, through agency, and through the concept of Zachin La'adam Shalob Bafanav, that somebody can perform a beneficial act for someone else without his knowledge or express agency, then in the case of Pidyan Haben, anyone should be allowed to redeem the child. This should be no different than other cases where these same concepts are utilized, such as the redemption of a firstborn donkey, which is another commandment that states that any firstborn donkey needs to be redeemed using a lamb or a kid, or Truma, which refers to the commandment to tithe produce, which can be done by anyone on behalf of someone else. The question basically is, if we're using these concepts of Shlichus and Zachan Adam Shalob this should not be limited to Beisdin, but should be allowed to be done by anyone. He then quotes from the Sefer Mahari Asad. This was written by Rabbi Yehuda Asad, who lived in the 1700s to 1800s, and Rabbi Yashri only quotes a small part of this tshuva, of this response from Rabbi Asad, in which he quotes Rabbi Mordechai Bennett, who was the chief rabbi of Moravia. The question that Rabbi Yehuda Asad was actually asked was a similar question regarding a woman who gave birth out of wedlock, but in the case that Rabbi Asad dealt with, the father of the child actually came forth and admitted to being the father. The question that Rabbi Asad dealt with was whether or not we can believe the parents and would the father be allowed to perform the pity Naben. His response was that yes, we do believe them, and the man claiming to be the father was allowed to perform the Pidin Haben. In his tshuva, in his response, he quotes from Rabbi Mordechai Bennett, and this is the part that Rabbi Yashri quotes. Rabbi Bennett ruled that in the case of a woman who gives birth out of wedlock, the father of the child was not obligated to perform Pidin Haben, but rather the obligation fell upon Beisdin. Furthermore, this would not have to be done by an official Beisdin, by an official court of three well-trained, knowledgeable rabbis, but could be done by what's called Gimel Hadiotos, any three people. What this means is that there are certain customs and rituals that require a Beisdin, but are allowed to be done by any three male Jews. Furthermore, said Rabbi Bennett, it could even be performed by one person. The Maharam Shik, Rabbi Moshe Shik, a prominent Hungarian rabbi who lived in the 1800s, wrote that according to those who had the opinion that Shlichus, that agency, does work for Pidin Haben, there are two conditions that need to be met. The first is that in the case of Pidin Haben, it has to be with the knowledge of the father, because generally speaking, a father wants to be the one to redeem his own son, assuming it's not similar to the case at hand, where the father might be embarrassed to come forward. The second condition that needs to be met is that the money, the five shekels, should first be granted to the father, so that when the shliach, when the agent performs the redemption, it should be as if he is using the father's own money. Barring these two conditions, a pidin haben performed by a shliach would not help. Not everyone agrees that this last condition needs to be met. The Nitziv, Rabbi Neftali Zev Yehuda Berlin, another rabbi who lived in the 1800s and who was actually the head of the yeshiva of Elazhen, ruled that the redemption works even if the shliach uses his own money and not the father's money. With regards to the brachos, the blessings, as we mentioned earlier, there are two brachos that are made when doing a pidin haben. The first is for the actual mitzvah of pidin haben, of redeeming the first son, and the other is the special shahachiyano bracha, which is made on certain special occasions. Rabbi Yashri quotes from the Chassam Sofer, Rabbi Moshe Sofer, who ruled that if somebody performs pidin haben using a shliach, an agent, the agent can make both brachos. However, there are other rabbis who disagreed with this and felt that the shliach can only make the first bracha, the blessing on the actual pidin haben, but not the special shahachiyano bracha. However, the Chassam Sofer himself wrote that in order to remove oneself from any sort of suffix, any sort of doubt, the best thing to do would be to have the shliach make the shachayano bracha on something else. For example, a fruit which is newly in season and which the shliach has not eaten in quite some time. This is another occasion for which the shachayano bracha would be made, and once the shliach is making this bracha on the fruit, he can also have in mind for the pidin haban as well. Rabbi Yashri therefore ruled as follows. He stated that the vast majority of Jews who were able to escape the ghetto ended up being killed by the Nazis, so there was a very strong assumption that the father of the child, if he had made it out of the ghetto, was likely killed. The responsibility and obligation of performing Pidin Haben would therefore fall upon the Beisdin, based on the opinion of the Shach, and 
therefore any three Jews would be able to act as a Beis Din and perform the Pidyan Haben. Furthermore, even if the father was still alive, he would likely be too embarrassed to come forward and admit that he was the father of the child, and would therefore consider it a benefit, a zuchus, if others were to perform the Pidyan Haben on his behalf. He therefore ruled that whether the father was alive or had been killed, others were allowed to perform the Pidyan Haben on the father's behalf. With regards to the brachos, the blessings, he ruled that since it was impossible to find any new fruit in the ghetto walls, only the first bracha, the first blessing, should be made. The blessing of Asher Kedishano B'misfosovit Sivano Al Pidyan Haben, blessing God who has sanctified us with his commandments and has commanded us regarding the redemption of his son. This has been From the Depths with Dr. Shimon Blau. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to hear further episodes. Music by Dexter Britton.